Heavenly Father, thank you for this evening. and uh, Thank you for uh, bringing us together. And I pray that you'd uh, bless us and uh, bless our time together and that we would understand the, the gospel better and uh, understand uh, all that you've done through your Son and through your Spirit uh, on, on our behalf and for, uh, for all who uh, turn from their sins and uh, trust in, in you and uh, in your Son alone, uh, the one only Savior. And so uh, we give you uh, all the thanks and uh, glory and uh, pray that you'd be uh, with us. And we pray in the name of your Son. Amen. All right, uh, tonight I thought we'd try to finish up uh, Romans chapter 8, uh, since we uh, spent some time in Romans and see if we can get to the end of it. And there are just a couple things I want to touch on in review uh, about what we already covered. So first, just look at the end of uh, Romans chapter 5. Uh, we'll look at verse 12 and then the last couple verses. And uh, here, uh, transitions from, he opens chapter 5, uh, where now that he's shown that justification, it's only, only by faith in Christ, or through faith in, uh, in Christ. Salvation is a free gift, uh, God saving righteousness in his son. He starts to go into some of the implications of, uh, of our salvation and uh, showing that uh, it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop with justification, but God, uh, we have, have an eternal hope, uh, and God is going to uh, bring us all the way uh, to the end, uh, ultimately, uh, to uh, in the, the resurrection uh, in, at Christ's uh, return. And then in verse 12, uh, he contrasts uh, uh, basically uh, the reign of sin, death, and condemnation that came with Adam, where sin spread to the entire human race and to all the world, uh, and everyone uh, came under condemnation because of their guilt and their uh, their sin uh, in solidarity with with Adam, and they they walked uh, in his very uh, very same same ways, and it spread uh, sin, death, and uh, condemnation to the entire world. And uh, Paul pictures it sometimes as a rain, death reigned. Uh, it was basically in control. It ruled over the world. It ruled over, uh, over humanity. Uh, and so it was with, with sin and death uh, spreading uh, throughout all, all the earth. And you can even think of the flood of Noah where God, it finally got so b bad that God's patience ended and he wiped out all of humanity except for eight, uh, those who were with uh, with Noah. Uh, and then uh, we'll see that it'll transition to uh, the reign of grace, righteousness, uh, and, and life. Uh, not, not death any longer, uh, but uh, a new reign that comes only with Christ. Uh, and with, with our justification and our salvation in Christ, uh, that reign it, it, it begins, it, but it's partial. It's not, it's not full yet, and it, it's going to continue until ultimately uh, the reign of sin, death, and condemnation will be 
wiped out, no more, uh, will be removed. Uh, Satan there, the, the hostile spirits, uh, being under the law that condemn them. Uh, and then there will only be grace, righteousness, life, and, and peace. And so it's the undoing of the entire fall uh, completely so that uh, it's, you move from one reign to which they were enslaved now to, to a new reign for, for a new uh, humanity. And so of verse 12, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, that's Adam, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. So he had the first sin, and yeah, the people were guilty. You see that in Romans 2 and, and elsewhere and such. But with the coming of the law from Adam to Moses, uh, suddenly the law serves a purpose uh, to make sin very black and white and stark. Uh, yeah, they were judged for it. They're even judged by the flood, and they, they knew right and wrong from their consciences. But we've seen that with the law, it makes it very black and white about what sin is and what it, uh, what it isn't and what the penalty uh, is for, for that uh, sin. Uh, and then he uh, takes a little, uh, uh, Douglas Moo, a good scholar, p picks up on this. I remember reading some, some years ago in college. But he takes a little detour uh, for, for a paragraph to say he's about to compare Adam's sin and the condemnation and death with Christ's act of righteousness and the, the, the grace and righteousness in life with, with Christ. But then he pauses for a moment and says, well, you know, the, the, the trespass is not quite like the free gift. He wants to say they're, they're not exactly the same. Uh, the free gift is uh, far, far better uh, because it was in response to, uh, to all of this sin. And God was acted graciously. And so he shows ways in which they're different. But then he gets back uh, in verse 18. Uh, he gets back to uh, the comparison uh, that he's originally going to make. Therefore, as one trespass, Adam's, uh, led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness, that's Jesus's, leads to justification and life for all men. And so now you go from the trespass and the condemnation and guilt that comes with it to now uh, an act of righteousness that leads to justification, God declaring righteous, the opposite of condemning, uh, and life for all men. Uh, for as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so... Uh, by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so the law only compounded 
and showed just how bad the problem of sin was. And so God acted graciously, and it shows his grace all the more uh, with the guilt that came on the, the people with the law. Not even Moses entered the land. Uh, Moses knew God face to face, but he couldn't enter the land. Uh, there was never a prophet like, like Moses before knowing God face to face and for all the miracles that God did through him. But he didn't enter the land because he struck the rock twice and carried God's name in vain, uh, to bear his name in vain. If you're one who represents God, you're identified with him, uh, to bring disrespect and reproach upon God uh, is to bear his name in vain. It's, it's not just to curse. You know, that would be a, a way to, uh, to do it, to use God's name as kind of a curse word. But it's uh, when you bear and you're identified, and you bear the name of Christ and call yourselves Christians, and we bear that name in vain and do something to bring reproach on him, uh, that was the, uh, the, the commandment. And Moses didn't enter the land. They needed a new generation. And so he raised up uh, just surely by his grace. Otherwise, nobody would enter Joshua and Caleb. They'll enter. They'll bring the people in. Uh, you, you see that with the choices all, all the time. Uh, God, he chose, uh, well, he chose um, Abel, not Cain. And when Abel died, he raised up Seth. Uh, and then he chose uh, not Ham and his son Canaan, but Shem. Uh, he, chose, uh, he chose Abraham, not his, his brothers. Uh, and he didn't choose uh, Lot, uh, Abraham's nephew. Uh, he didn't choose uh, Ishmael, uh, the son they had through Hagar. He chose Isaac. And you, you see that again and again from generation uh, to generation. Uh, in David, uh, he was a, a, a man after God's own heart. But he sinned greatly. And uh, although because of God's promises, uh, he didn't, uh, God was true to his promises, but it brought uh, it brought uh, a judgment chastisement uh, upon him and upon Solomon, a chastisement as a son uh, because of his sin. He was, Solomon was the wisest man in all the earth. But he turned to idolatry uh, and he, he was even the beloved of the Lord. He turned to idolatry uh, and the, the nation was divided. And so you see again and again, God has to preserve surely by his gr gracious promises and the law came and increased the trespass and made sin to be shown what it is, truly, truly sinful. Uh, and so he says, now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace, God's unmerited favor, abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, so that's the reign of, uh, the, the, the reign of sin uh, reigning in death, you think of, it characterizes the reign. If you're a king and you reigned in righteousness, it characterizes how you, uh, how your reign and how you reign in your kingdom. And it would be a righteous reign. The king reigns in righteousness. But if sin reigns in death, it characterizes the reign and rule of sin over the people, uh, enslaving them and spreading death uh, all over the earth. Uh, but he says, oh, and the wind blew my page. Is there a breeze in here? <laughs> uh, wait, I'm in Corinthians. <laughs> I think I made it worse. 
Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace, God's unmerited favor, also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life. I think it's a reign in righteousness, uh, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. There's a whole new reign coming in. It's tied to God's kingdom and with, with Christ. Uh, it's, it's no longer uh, the reign of sin, reigning in death, but grace uh, reigning uh, in, in righteousness, uh, leading to uh, eternal, eternal life. He, he brings it in and does away with what the, the first man, uh, what came with the first, first man. And as you work through, uh, through chapter 6 and 7 and 8, so much of it, uh, if you read it also for yourselves, so much of it, you find this language of reigning and enslavement and, and mastery and rule uh, where you have, on the one hand, in Galatians, uh, he deals more with uh, the, the spirits also uh, that are involved. But the reign of sin, death, condemnation, unrighteousness, uh, the hostile uh, evil spirits that, that the people were put under. Uh, they wouldn't worship God, so God gave them over uh, to uh, to idolatry and, uh, and to the, the evil spirits and false gods. Uh, the the reign, uh, sometimes it talks about being enslaved to the law uh, and not, not just sin. And you're either, you're someone's slave, someone's your, your master. Uh, I remember uh, uh, Rich at church uh, talking about a, a Bob Dylan song saying, you gotta serve somebody. <laughs> this is like saying you, you you're gonna have a master. Someone rules over you. You serve someone, and it's either it's either God, the one true Creator God, or it's something in in creation or something we make up uh, in uh, in creation, uh, whether money or uh, or any uh, other idolatry. Uh, but so much of what follows then. Paul's drawing out the implications of going from this one reign to this new reign. And he wants them to understand now, uh, now that they've died and been raised with Christ, and Christ has died on their behalf and been raised to new life, uh, now, uh, since, since we've been given the, the Spirit and the, the very beginnings, new, new life, now uh, offer your, your members uh, as Slaves to righteousness, uh, as slaves to God, serve God, uh, and it, it's all by His grace and empowered by by His Spirit. It all comes from uh, the uh, the righteousness and the the salvation and all the blessings that are only in in Christ. All blessings uh, come uh, from from Him. And so, uh, j- just in a verse, uh, chapter six, verse one, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin? that grace may abound. Grace abounded all the more. God's unmerited favor. Should we, should we just keep sinning? But that fails to understand grace. Uh, grace doesn't, it doesn't just forgive sins. It frees us from the power of sin. Uh, it ultimately, it'll lead to eternal life. Uh, justification, sanctification in this life, and that's perfected uh, in, in the next and, and with our glorification and uh, new resurrected bodies when uh, we'll have uh, the, the very the very mind of Christ 
uh, uh, desire the things he desires and love the things he loves and desire to do his will and, and God's will. Uh, and so, of course, he says, uh, are, are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? And he talks about we died with, with Christ. We were baptized with him into his death. We're, we're identified with him so that uh, God reckons his death as our death. Uh, and his resurrection as our resurrection. Uh, we've, uh, the, the penalty's been, been paid already uh, by, by Christ. He bore, he bore the, the death and condemnation uh, that we deserve because of our, our sin. And so uh, he'll conclude that section in verse 12. Uh, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. Mortal, we're not, we're not yet glorified. Uh, to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. So offer offer yourselves, your members, your, your parts, a uh, to righteousness and to God, uh, serve serve God. Now we've we've died with Christ and raised to new life. So, uh, think uh, Warren Wearsby has has put it uh, basically: be what you are. You're you're you've been justified and made righteous in Christ. Now start acting like it. <laughs> you you have the Spirit. You're you're empowered, uh, and we we have the first first fruits uh, in this life, but not. Uh, not perfection uh, in this life. So uh, be, be what you are, Paul tries to say. Uh, and he says that kind of in uh, Ephesians, when it goes from talk, uh, really going deeply into the gospel and what God has done for us and all the blessings there in Christ. And then in chapter 3 in Ephesians, uh, he says, therefore, uh, basically, uh, walk according to the calling to which you've been called. You were called, so now start start walking according according to that by by God's grace. Uh, and then, on uh, verse fifteen, so should uh, should we send the grace uh, may abound, you know, increase even more? No, of course not. Uh, we we shouldn't sin, but grace on dying and rising with Christ means uh, that uh, now we should uh, become slaves uh, to God and serve Him. But uh, he said. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. Sin will have no dominion over you. Dominion, rule, mastery, its, its reign uh, is, is done since you are not under law, but under grace. Uh, the law couldn't help us because it only brought condemnation because of our sin. But grace actually saves. Uh, grace, uh, now we don't come under condemnation uh, but we're, we're forgiven in, in Christ. If we uh, confess our sins, they've, they've all been paid uh, at the, the cross. Uh, now we have the, the Spirit. And so you're not under law, but under grace, uh, God's uh, unmerited favor. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? Well, we're lawless. We can do what we want, can't we? Still doesn't understand grace, right? Grace, it saves uh, it, it, it justifies. It'll sanctify. Uh, it will ultimately uh, glorify 
uh, and will become heirs of eternal life. And uh, if we trust in Christ, we already are heirs. We, we just haven't, uh, we've only received the, the down payment so far. Uh, and then, let's just uh, read through this quickly and just pay attention to this slave language. You, you serve someone. We're, we're going from one to the other. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? You obey someone, they're your, or they're your master. You're slaves to them. Uh, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching uh, to which you were committed and having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness. So it's God's gracious work. Thanks be to God. You, you who were uh, once slaves to sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching uh, to which uh, you were committed uh, in, uh, in the gospel and uh, walking in the spirit and having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness. Uh, I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members, your parts, by parts basically, uh, mine, uh, all of us, as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. It's what God graciously provides. We, we grow in uh, holiness and consecration to God and uh, sanctification. Uh, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. So he's talked about being slaves to righteousness, slaves to obedience, slaves to God. You can kind of use them uh, inter interchangeably. Uh, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Sin gets wages. You get what you earn, death. Uh, but uh, the uh, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. All salvation is a free gift uh, from, from God. Our, our justification, our sanctification, our glorification, eternal life, all of it, everything. Uh, it's all empowered uh, by, by God. And I just want to touch on once more and just give a quick overview of chapter 7. And there is something I want to clarify just to help sharpen our understanding uh, of the, the law in, in sin. It's been a while since we were in this uh, chapter, so I want to touch on this a, a bit more. And so here, uh, he's going to talk about how basically they were under the law, uh, under the law, which brought condemnation upon them. And he'll talk about also they were under sin. Uh, he can say they were enslaved to the law, they were enslaved to sin. They were under the reign of the law, they were under the reign of sin, because sin uses uses the law he wants to show they belong to a new master. They've been freed from the old. And now 
Uh, they belong to God, and they belong to, to Christ. So, or do you not know, brothers? For I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. For a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law. And if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. So if you remember, there's a death. She's free from the law. It doesn't come under guilt if she marries someone, someone else. And so if they've been freed from the law, they don't come under guilt and condemnation and the, the penalty of death, but they belong to another. Uh, the law as legal code, as covenant, uh, brought, it brought a curse on them because they couldn't, they couldn't obey it. They couldn't keep it perfectly like only Christ could. That's why he had to come uh, to fulfill uh, the law, uh, the, the whole law, and bear both the penalty, uh, but also he was the only one who ever perfectly uh, kept it in obedience. And so he applies it to them. Uh, and remember, uh, we we'll start with uh, with them, uh, where he's uh, been saying like you, but then moves to we and to I in the past, and then to I in the present. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ. He bore he bore the penalty, right? So you died to the law. Christ died to the law. He bore the penalty. So there's been a death. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, that's Christ, in order that we may bear fruit for God. Let's bear, bear fruit for, uh, for, for God, uh, the, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, uh, all, of, all of those things, to, uh, to, to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and our a neighbor as ourself. Uh, that's uh, that's why we've died to the law so that we can bear fruit to uh, to God all by uh, grace in Christ. And he explains, for while we were so this is their past. Uh, while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. And pay attention to that. We're going to see that uh, more. Uh, where our sinful passions were at work in our members to bear fruit for death uh, in the law. They brought us under a condemnation. Uh, for while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Written code, that's the Torah as a covenant. Uh, we don't serve in that way anymore. That brought condemnation upon us. Now it's by the Spirit who actually empowers us uh, to, uh, to live a life that's uh, pleasing to God, all by, uh, all by his, his grace. It's what he uh, produces in us uh, by, uh, by, by faith and by, uh, by faith and trust in his, uh, his promises. And so... Uh, we see this contrast uh, between the two. And here he talks about being released from the law. It's what held us captive. But then he's going to turn and talk about sin holding us captive, being enslaved to sin, because sin 
used of the law. It's now Paul talks about the past uh, generally. In some of the, these things, he talks about the coming of the law. He identifies as a, as a Jew, as one who, who uh, was born and has been born a sinner, uh, one who, uh, who has uh, sinned and uh, been a sinner, and one who still retains sin. He identifies with sinners and with his people under the law. Right now he's talking about the law. So he can talk generally about the coming of the law and such. And what it does to him. He, he could just as much plug his audience into this. Instead of saying I, we already said, he can say you, you know, your, uh, we, together. This is, this is true of, uh, of, of all of us. So we start with the, the past. And uh, here, I just want to highlight w- with the law here, he's doing two things. Defending the law, showing that it's not sin, but it's uh, good, holy, and righteous. Um, while at the same time showing sin is the problem, indwelling sin. We're the problem, but this, this indwelling sin uh, is, is the problem. So he's kind of going from the law, but now he's putting uh, the onus uh, and the blame on sin uh, centrally that enslaved us, the reign of sin, condemnation, and, uh, and death. So uh, what then shall we say? That the law is sin... By no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin, for I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, You shall not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, the law increased sin. Now, do you remember? Talked about when the law came, increased it increased sin. That's what Paul's talking uh, talking about here, uh, and he's he's uh, I- identifying. I was uh, once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive, and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. Uh, For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me, and through it, killed me. So the law is holy, and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Sin is the primary problem. Yeah, the law uh, said that they could have life, but they couldn't keep it because of their their sin. uh, Their uh, their sin uh, natures uh, in opposition uh, to God. So the law, the law is holy, righteous, and good. It's sin that's sin. Did that which is good then bring death to me? That which is good, the law. By no means it was sin producing death in me through what is good in order that sin might be shown to be sin and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. It sounds maybe like a bad thing, calling the law good, but it killed me. That seems like a bad thing. Uh, but uh, he, he says, uh, did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good, in order that sin might be shown to be sin, and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. So he's talking about 
being under the law, being under sin, enslaved to sin, all in the past. And here, uh, if you remember, when he says for, he goes into the present, speaking generally, but supports what he just said about the past, about being enslaved to sin and to the law. Wait, Christians aren't under the law. We don't serve in the way of the written code anymore, but in the new way of the spirit. Uh, this is going to be important. There's something I want to highlight as we get into uh, chapter 8 that's very important to understand his message here. So uh, maybe you're sick of uh, going through Romans 7, but I just wanted to, to clarify it and hammer it home a, l- a little bit because I think it'll help you understand uh, this, but also uh, Galatians and uh, all, th- all throughout uh, the New Testament. And so, talking in the past, did that which is good then bring death to me, the law, by no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good, in order that sin might be shown to be sin, and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. So sin is sin, and sin kills. For we know that the law is spiritual, it's from God, and I am of the flesh, sold under sin. He's enslaved. That's that's not... Uh, the, 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 that's not the, the new covenant. He says he's been free. Uh, and so we're, we're going to see this more in uh, Romans, Romans 8. Uh, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. Uh, this shows he's enslaved. He's under sin. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do not... Or if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Uh, For I know that nothing good dwells in me, uh, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. He's a slave. He sins captive. It it rules over him and degrees it in his mind. Yeah, the law is good, but he can't do anything about it because he's a slave to sin and it makes him do do evil. Uh, Just what he's talking about in the, the past where he talked about sin seizing opportunity through the commandment, the law, it killed him under under the law. The, the reign of sin, uh, condemnation, death, and the, the law. And so, uh, now if I do, uh, verse 20, now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. And so this law, it's kind of like a, a rule that, that, that governs things. Some characterize kind of principle, but this, I think, uses law language also for, for a reason, this law that, that uh, governs uh, things. Uh, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. He's a captive uh, to sin. Uh, you hear that? Uh, let's just go back. Verse 21. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. 
for I delight in the law of God in my inner being. The law, the, the, the Torah. Uh, he recognizes it's good, sin, sin, that's the problem. But I see in my members another law. There's another law uh, waging war against the law of my mind by which he, he agrees, yeah, the law is good. You know, I, I should do that. I, I, I want to do it, but I can't. There's a law operating in his members. Now he's characterized indwelling sin as a law of its own uh, that rules over him, uh, that, that, that binds him uh, to do its will uh, and for Paul uh, to be its master. Uh, for, or for, uh, to be uh, mastered by a sin uh, that rules over him. And so th- there are these other laws. Now, now he's saying it's sin that's the problem. Uh, it's the law of sin uh, that's uh, the problem. We, waging war in his members. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So here's what he's been teaching. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. And serving the law with his mind, it's not doing him much good, is it? He keeps sinning uh, because of his enslavement uh, to a uh, sin. He can't obey uh, and keep uh, the law. In fact, he said at the beginning, this is what he's been supporting. Did that which is good, verse 13, did that which is good then bring death to me? The law, the, the Torah, as uh, covenant. By no means, it was sin producing death in me through what is good in order that sin might be shown to be sin and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. And so he's enslaved sin using the Torah to bring the curse and condemnation and death upon him. That's true of, of every sinner. And here he's really characterizing, uh, especially for, for Jews and, and the, the law. And now, uh, so after he, he concludes what he's been teaching, so then, uh, in saying that the solutions, Jesus Christ, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord, So then, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. And now, the conclusion, verse 8. Here's the solution. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. There's a new law. He's introduced a new, uh, new, new law. Did you, did you catch that? Uh, he talked about the written code earlier, not but no longer by the written code, but by uh, now the new way of the, the, the spirit. Uh, there is therefore now no condemnation, because he's bringing death and condemnation upon him for, uh, under the law, for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life, the Holy Spirit, he characterizes it, the spirit of life. This is the spirit who gives life uh, to uh, believers. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. That's why there's no condemnation. The law of the spirit of life has set you free 
from the law of sin and death. And the law of sin and death, well, the law, the Torah, isn't sin. It, it didn't kill him. It's not death. It's sin that's sin. And sin that's death. The law of sin and death in his members that enslaved him and ruled over him uh, and all uh, sinners. Uh, his audience, you, we, uh, I, in the past, uh, until he gets to the I in the present, spring we just said about, about the, the past, uh, teaching this general truths about enslavement to sin uh, and that the law, the law is good and holy and righteous. Uh, the law itself didn't kill him, but sin through, through the law. And so the law is not the problem, but sin is. But the law is also not the solution because the law, uh, it can't justify sinners. It can't sanctify them. It can't glorify them as covenant, as legal code. Now, it's one thing to talk about the, the whole Torah as scripture, God breathes scripture that the Holy Spirit applies to our hearts uh, for training in righteousness, as he says to, to Timothy. Uh, but, but that's not, the, the, it's, the, it's the spirit uh, where, where life is. And it's not, it's not the covenant, it's not the legal code that brings a curse uh, upon sinners. And so the law, uh, it's not at fault, but it can't justify, it can't sanctify, it can't glorify, it can't make you heirs of blessing and life and peace uh, because it brings condemnation and death on sinners who are enslaved to sin. And so, uh, that, and that's just echoing back. Look back, let's just read it one more time. Verse 4. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit to God. You belong to another. You belong to Christ now to bear fruit to God. For while, uh, explaining, for while we were living in the flesh, the past, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. That's what he just described through chapter 7, isn't it? He didn't talk about the spirit at all after he gets uh, to this part. It's only when he gets chapter 8, now of uh, the spirit. Now he gets back to the spirit and to Christ, the solution of this reign of sin and condemnation and death and the law to which we were enslaved. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. They co-opted the law, uh, uh, but or sin did. But now, present, we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. We're no longer captive. We are freed uh, so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of uh, the written code. Yeah, the law is good and holy and righteous. Yeah, it's not the law that killed him. Uh, it's sin that's sinful. Uh, and, and the law revealed it to be sinful beyond all measure. Uh, and it's sin that used the law to bring death upon him. But the law is not uh, the, the solution because of our enslavement to, to sin. And so, uh, chapter 8, verse 1 
There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Uh, Why is there no condemnation now for those in Christ Jesus? For the law of the spirit of life, a new law, the, the, the new covenant, it's, it's been, uh, it's been re- replaced uh, with something else. Uh, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Uh, that is the, the sin that was uh, working in his members to which he was enslaved. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. It's now the Torah. The, the Torah couldn't do it. He, he can approve of it with, with his mind. Say, yeah, it's good. But that's, uh, that's it. He couldn't keep it uh, because it was weakened by the flesh, what he calls the law of sin and death uh, that was at work in his, uh, his members. Uh, for God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin... He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit, according to the new way of the spirit. And those are believers. It's believers who, uh, who walk in the, the, the new way of the spirit. Uh, they walk according to the spirit, not the flesh. They're not enslaved anymore. Although, uh, as we've seen, he, he gets back. Yeah, there's still, there's still a battle. Uh, we, we don't have the fullness yet. We have the down payment. Uh, but he, d- he doesn't get there in chapter 7. He gets there a little in chapter 8. Uh, he gets there in uh, Galatians, I think, 5 and uh, elsewhere. And so, uh, for God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Uh, with Christ. Christ bore the penalty. He bore our sins. Uh, if, if our hope and trust is in him, he bore our sins and our condemnation, our death, the penalty and curse of the law so that uh, we might, might be uh, freed uh, by the Spirit. Uh, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. And that's God's saving righteousness only through faith in Christ. All blessings and righteousness and justification, sanctification, glorification are only found in him. They all flow from him. Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And then he just explains it. We'll see some of the same enslavement for those who who are uh, in the flesh, who have the the mind of the the flesh. Uh, For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. So they live in the way of the Spirit, uh, according to the uh, the Spirit's will, uh, according to the Spirit's, the, the law of the Spirit. He calls them the Spirit of Life. Uh, he's called the spirit of grace, the, the spirit of peace, the spirit of uh, adoption, uh, and all, all of the, the fruit of uh, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, gentleness, uh, all of that that he produces in us. It's, it's fruit that the spirit 
uh, produces, which is opposite of the flesh, which uh, is characterized by hostility uh, and gossip and slander and murder and hatred and lying and stealing and uh, every uh, wicked thing that that people do. Uh, He gives a big list at the end of Romans chapter 1 and uh, Galatians 5 and uh, in vice lists. Uh, And that's what it means to live according to the flesh. Uh, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, uh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace, or to have the, the, the mind and uh, of, of the spirit to be uh, taught by him. God says he put his spirit in, in his people and caused them to, to walk in his statutes. Uh, it's God himself, uh, he uh, teaches us uh, his, his word. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. That's what it results in when, you, when you're a slave to the flesh. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Slavery. They're enslaved to the flesh. And it's only through Christ and the the gracious work of God and his spirit that he raises the dead sinner to new life uh, in in Christ uh, so that uh, we uh, may live. And so now he gets to his audience uh, because he's just telling them that basically those who are believers uh, are those who uh, walk n- not according to the flesh, but according to, uh, to the spirit. Uh, they have the spirit indwelling them and empowering them uh, by, by God's grace. So he says to them, they're not slaves. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. You're not in the flesh, but you're in the, the spirit. He said, of course, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, then, then you're, you're in, in the, the spirit. That's true of all, uh, all uh, regenerate true believers. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Uh, it's a mark of belonging to, to God and to Christ, uh, the spirit. Uh, he's the He's the very seal of our salvation and uh, adoption. He's the, he's the down payment of the fullness of our salvation. And so in the new covenant, those who have the spirit, uh, they belong to Christ. Uh, they belong to God. Uh, they belong to the, uh, the Father. Uh, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, the Spirit, speak of Christ, they're, they're so closely related. Christ as uh, God and it's uh, his, his very uh, Spirit. It's the, the Holy Spirit. And so he can say, if Christ is in you, and Christ can, uh, to the Father, uh, talk about, uh, about uh, being in, in the Father and he and him. And uh, their, their unity is, is so close and harmonious uh, with uh, one another. And elsewhere, the Spirit's talked about is even having the, uh, the mind of God, the mind of the, the Spirit being taught by him, is to have the, the very mind of Christ. And so, uh, the mark of any uh, true Christian, uh, he says, uh, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. 
But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, uh, the spirit is life because of righteousness. Uh, and here, uh, the, the body uh, will not have the fullness of our salvation yet. And so uh, because of the reign of sin, death, and condemnation, uh, there, there's still death uh, unless Christ returns for his people. Uh, believers will still die, but Christ has removed the sting of death so that it won't even harm them anymore, as, as Pastor Eric was talking about, if you're there for his uh, last sermon, uh, which he showed so, so well that the sting is taken away. But we don't have the fullness. He's going to get there looking to our glorification, our ultimate uh, resurrection, until we have bodies, resurrected bodies just like Christ that will never die uh, again. Uh, and so uh, he says... Uh, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, uh, the very spirit, uh, the, the, the powerful spirit who raised Christ from the dead himself, uh, when he was, after being buried for, for three days, uh, dead, if he dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead uh, will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Uh, and this is the, the spirit when he says in verse 10, but if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. And uh, some commentators like Douglas Moo uh, just talking about the, this, we see continuously spirits associated with life, the spirit who dwells in you. He is life, uh, the law of the spirit of life. Uh, and so uh, if he uh, dwells in us, uh, the spirit is life because of righteousness, what Christ has accomplished. Uh, the, the righteousness, God-saving righteousness, that's uh, only by faith in his son uh, because it doesn't come by works because works only bring wrath, uh, but it's all uh, only through uh, trusting in Christ and in, in the, the free gift. And so the body is dead because of sin. We're not resurrected yet. But uh, the spirit is life uh, because of righteousness, uh, what, what God has done in Christ uh, to redeem us. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And that uh, is our, our hope uh, in confidence. And so now he draws an inference from, from what he's been saying uh, in chapter uh, chapter 8 about, uh, about what God has done through his son uh, and uh, through uh, the, the spirit of life. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Uh, if you live according uh, to the flesh, we're, we're no longer debtors to the flesh to live according to it because we've been freed uh, from it, no longer in slavery. And it's not something we work up in ourselves, but it's something that God does through his Spirit and the blessings that are in Christ. And so those who, who, who are a, a slave uh, to sin uh, and they're 
Uh, their hope and trust isn't in Christ, and they don't turn from their sins and trust in uh, in Him uh, alone, and uh, and they just uh, live and sin and sin and sin, uh, and, and don't uh, don't turn away and uh, trust in Him. Uh, then uh, they'll they'll die. Uh, that's to be in slavery to to sin. But God, through His Spirit, He gives He gives life, so that uh, we we begin to desire uh, what is. Uh, good, uh, and uh, we're not we're not perfected in in this life, and uh, we look to Christ as our uh, our mediator and intercessor. Uh, but uh, God has begun a good work, which He will uh, He will ultimately complete, and one day uh, glorify us. And uh, Paul eventually gets there at the end of uh, Romans eight. Uh, and so, so then, brothers, uh, we are debtors. Uh, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, being a debtor. It's kind of like enslavement again. They owe the one that they owe a debt uh, to, or the one who uh, that they owe a debt to basically owns, owns them. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And it's by the Spirit, notice. It's by the power of the Spirit, not just something that... Uh, if we try to go at it alone, we'll get in trouble. We have to depend on God and on his spirit uh, and to uh, pray and call upon him and, uh, and be uh, in his word. The uh, spirit's the very author of scripture. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, uh, you will live. And so there's still, there's still a struggle. And to, to the extent that Christians want to go back to the law, uh, they will then, they turn back to the way of the flesh in sin, in death, in condemnation, if they're trying to, to go back to, uh, to just uh, obey God in their own power, uh, just, just by themselves and not, not depend on, on God and, and his spirit. Uh, and if they want to bind themselves uh, to the legal code as covenant, the law, they come back under sin and the law and condemnation and the spirits who rule over them and enslave them. But, uh, he says, uh, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. You have to put them to death. Uh, they are violent enemies, and they must be put down. Just as uh, Jesus said, if, you're, uh, if your uh, eye causes you to sin, your, your right eye, uh, pluck it out and cast it away. Uh, you have to deal with, it's a mortal enemy. Now, of course, plucking out your eye is not going to do it because it's, it's a heart issue. But the idea is, must be dealt with with violence. Uh, sin is an enemy. Uh, it's to be uh, put down. I remember John MacArthur uh, used an analogy when Saul wouldn't kill Agag, the king of the Amalekites, uh, God's enemy, who, uh, who uh, went out and attacked the Israelites. Samuel hacked Agag to pieces, uh, the king. Uh, and uh, MacArthur was basically uh, talking about uh, sin. Sin needs to be dealt with uh, with a violence. If, if your right hand causes you to sin, uh, cut it off and throw it away. It's better, it's better to, uh, to, to go into hell with uh, lame without one of your, or go to, <laughs> to enter into heaven lame, you know, uh, than uh, to uh, go, go to hell with, with both, both hands or, uh, or both, both eyes. But it's by, it's by the Spirit, by, by the very power of the Spirit, putting sin uh, to death because sin is death the spirit is life and peace 
until uh, he, he just explains, uh, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live uh, for all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received uh, the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. It's kind of a personal name uh, for, uh, for God, a close name, Abba, Father. Because uh, if, if you have the spirit, you belong to Christ. Uh, you belong to the Father. You, you've been released from the law. You've been released from sin uh, to belong to another. For all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. He's not the spirit of slavery. He's the spirit of life and peace and adoption, uh, he says here. It shows that uh, the, having the spirit shows that we belong, uh, we belong to God. Uh, we, uh, we are his. And so it sh- shouldn't bring us into uh, to fear, but to, to hope and trust. Uh, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Uh, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And so uh, we're out of time, so we'll just uh, stop uh, here, and then we'll maybe conclude the rest. But I, I just want to help clarify, I hope, uh, some things here. Uh, in here, the, this last part, it's the Spirit who shows that we belong to Christ. Uh, we belong to, to God. Uh, we're sons of God. Uh, we're heirs. We're, we're children. Uh, one day, uh, we will uh, receive and become heirs of the new heavens and the new earth. Uh, and all of God's blessing and provision uh, and eternal life and uh, to dwell in the very presence of God with, uh, with the, the work and sin of Adam and the curse that came into the world. Uh, and Paul goes into the rest in, in eight, uh, being undone by, by Christ, uh, creating uh, a new humanity who become, uh, they become sons and fellow heirs with Christ, uh, Christ, he's the first fruits. He's the, the very firstborn. He's the eternal son, the, the God-man. Uh, but uh, he becomes the head of a new humanity. And with him, uh, we become heirs of the new heavens and the new earth. Uh, and we will reign uh, over the earth in perfect righteousness and justice, uh, in peace and goodness, uh, and all uh, by, by God's uh, grace. And uh, so... Uh, you see that you, you go from, it's such an important theme uh, in, uh, in the, the New Testament, uh, from uh, the reign of sin and death and condemnation and Satan and the, the spirits and the law uh, to uh, the, uh, the reign of well, grace and faith and uh, justification, sanctification, righteousness, glorification uh, in, in life, uh, God's uh, God's rule, uh, where, uh, where we uh, belong no longer to this world and to Satan and the rule of sinful, rebellious man, uh, but to God. And, and one day uh, he'll bring it uh, to its fullness uh, if our hope and trust is in Christ. So uh, let's uh, just pray. 
Heavenly Father, I thank you uh, for for this word and uh, all that you've spoken by your spirit and uh, through the Apostle Paul and uh, just how magnificent and glorious uh, your word uh, truly is and uh, and even uh, even all the more uh, your salvation that's revealed within uh, your salvation uh, in your uh, your uh, true uh, word your your incarnate word uh, your uh, one true son who uh, who reveals you uh, so that uh, we might no longer live for ourselves and for uh, sin and death and uh, Satan and uh, this uh, evil rebellious age, but uh, we may uh, live for you and uh, that you will one day uh, finish the work that you've begun uh, in us. And uh, Lord Jesus, we pray that you would uh, come soon, that you would come quickly and that uh, we would be found uh, to be faithful servants uh, in faith, uh, hoping and trusting in you. And I uh, pray that you would work uh, your will uh, in us and uh, work in us all that's uh, pleasing in, in your sight, in the sight of the Father, and uh, all by by your spirit. And so uh, we thank you for, for all of these uh, things and uh, look forward to uh, your uh, coming again and your uh, your return so that uh, your reign will last for forever and ever and ever. And uh, we give you uh, and the Father and uh, Spirit all, all thanks and glory. Uh, amen.